your holy name, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to open up your holy word. Lord, we thank you for the word of God tonight. Lord, we ask that you would breathe upon that word. Lord, we ask for that anointing to be upon that word. Lord, we ask, Father, for a moving of your spirit in our lives tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for that mercy that rewrote our life. We thank you for that amazing grace, Lord. Father, we pray that you would stir our hearts. Lord, I ask for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing that we can hear and receive all that this Spirit is speaking to us tonight. And Father, we ask it in Jesus' mighty, precious, holy name. Everybody says, all right, glory to God. So we're here in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse number 4. And and, and Peter here is is getting into... um, this dynamic about the church and one of the roles that we feel as the church is that uh, we, we are here to glorify God. One of the things that Jesus said is that as a church, we're supposed to be salt and light in the world today. We are actually preserving and, and, and influencing society, or we're supposed to be influencing society for good. We're not supposed to be giving them a thumbs up while they do ungodly things. We're supposed to be calling those things out that are ungodly. We're supposed to be, uh, you know, preaching the gospel, preaching that they must repent and believe upon the Lord or they will perish. And God doesn't want people to to perish. How many of you know that? God never predestined anybody to perish and go to hell. God gives all of us an opportunity to repent and believe and be saved. Um, so the word of God is, is very clear. God's not willing that anybody perish. But our job and our purpose is to be built up into the men and women of God that he's called us to be. One of the things that we see in the church world today is people really, they, they, they fail because they don't have a purpose in life. They're falling for and being hoodwinked by everything under the sun because they don't have that firm foundation. If you don't have that firm foundation of Jesus Christ and you don't know why you're here and you're not flowing in the power of God in your life, you're going to open yourself up to be swayed away, to be moved off of the hope of the gospel because you don't have purpose. Uh, I think it was Billy Sunday that said that most men fail not because of a lack of talent, but because of a lack of purpose. Think about that. Most men fail not because they don't have talent or it's not that. It's just because they don't know what to do. They don't have, they have not found their purpose. And one of your purposes in life as a child of God is to glorify God that others may see him through you. Paul describes it in the book of Corinthians as a living epistle. The church is supposed to be a living epistle. People are supposed to be able to know who you believe. And sometimes, look, you have to testify to people. You can't, there's no such thing as, as you know, a, a duplicious Christian. You're not supposed to be a Christian in hiding out here in America. We can preach the gospel freely. Amen. And we're not supposed to be ashamed of being a Christian in America. Come on now. Um, but we are supposed to shine light. And um, a lot of times people, they, they, um, they get carried away with the world because they don't understand that they're supposed to be shining light in this, in uh, the light of God in the world. Let's pick it up in verse number four. Second Peter, I mean, I'm sorry, first Peter chapter two. Let's pick it up in verse number four. It says, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, But chosen of God and precious. He's talking about Jesus there. Jesus is the living stone. Amen. From Jesus flows life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. He is the fountain of life and the source of life. He is the one that that brings life to the saint of God. He is the living stone, and in order for you to be the man or woman of God he's called you to be, you're going to have to be built on that living stone, which is Jesus. Now look what Peter says here. He says, um, to whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up 
spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. That is, through his, through his uh, body, through his blood, through faith in what he did on that cross, you are offering up spiritual sacrifices to the Lord of glory. And that's your purpose in life. Your purpose in life is not to be an electrician or a plumber or, you know, whatever. Your purpose in life is to bring sacrifices that are pleasing unto God wherever you are. You can be, um, you can be a homemaker. You can be um, a father. You can be a husband. You can be um, uh, you know, you, you can uh, be knitting, you know, you can do whatever, but your job is to be that person that is bringing spiritual sacrifices to God. The part I want to get into tonight is where we were this morning is the fact that God called you to be a lively stone. I want you to know that life doesn't come from yourself. God's not interested in your life in that way. I know Joel Osteen wouldn't like that part right there. But it's not, it's, it's not what you bring to the table. Come on now. It's about what God can do through you. It's about what God can do in you. It's about His mercy rewriting you. It's about His grace being attached to you. It's about His blood cleansing you. It's about His Spirit filling you. It's about that new birth giving you new life. It is not about that old man that you bring to the table, but it is about that new man that God creates in you. That's what God's looking for in you. God's looking for you to be a new creature in an old world. God's looking for you to be a new light to people that don't have any. God's looking for you to be a light in a dark world. And you can't do that in your own strength. You've got to have that lively, that life-giving Spirit of God at work in your life. Or, or you're offering the world more of the same. And one of the things that we see in the church world today is that people are, 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 are scrounging for ideas. They're trying to come up with schemes of men, and they're trying to do religious things. And what's happening is, is they're, they're bringing God filthy rags. God's not interested in our filthy rags. He's interested in seeing a blood-bought, spirit-filled child of God shining light in a dark world. God's calling upon your life is to reflect the work of Jesus Christ to people that don't know him. People, look, for all of creation, all of creation, all the whole world is at some point in time is going to bow down its knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But before that day, your calling is to testify of that reality from this day to that day. That's your purpose. Your purpose in life is not to get a house. Your purpose in life is not to get a 401k. I don't think too much longer those things are going to be any good anyways. But your purpose in life is to have the light of God shining through you. Come on now, that others can be saved. Come, amen. This is a rescue operation. The whole world's going to hell without Jesus. We're not in a party barge. We're out on a seek and find rescue mission. And if we ever lose sight of the fact that God is still on a seek and, and find rescue mission, we will, we will fail the grace of God. We will not understand our purpose in life. There are people around you that don't know they're drowning. They're so blinded by their sin. They're so dead to the Spirit of God. They're so dead to the things of God. They don't even know how stuck they are. I know there was a time in my life I didn't know how lost I was. I was so bound up in my sin, I didn't even know that I was outside the kingdom of God. But I thank God for that time I got to see the glory of God through somebody's life. There was a time in my life when I got to be around someone who had the Spirit of God on them, that anointing on them, and I realized in that moment that I was in darkness. You know what? One of your jobs as a child of God is to be that lively stone that others may see and understand that they are dead in their sins and trespasses and that they must be born again. You see, I said earlier is that these lively stones are not bumps on a log, but we're actually offering up to God living sacrifices. We're actually offering God up something that is pleasing, but you've not been called to be a, 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 a bump on a log. You've not been called to be a, a dead stone, but a living stone. Amen. A dead stone 
So many times, a, a, a dead stone, they, they bring out, you know, those uh, religious tapestries and those filthy rags because they don't have anything to bring to God. Sometimes when you worship, you say, man, why isn't anybody worshiping? Why isn't anybody thankful about what God's done? We just say, praise God, praise God. I'll praise God. I praise God for what He's done in my life. I refuse to be a dead stone. I refuse to have a rock cry out in my place. I refuse to go quietly in the night. Amen. I'm going to lift up a shout for my God. I'm going to glorify God for what he's done in my life. I'm not going to be a dead stone. I'm going to be a lively stone. Amen. I'm going to testify about what God's done for me because I know God's no respecter of persons. If he did it for me, I know he'll do it for someone else. I know my grandma prayed for me. I know my mama prayed for me. Amen. And I know that God answered their prayer. And if God answered their prayer, he's no respecter of person. He'll answer your prayer too over your children and grandchildren. He will. God is no respecter of persons. Amen. And I'm going to stand and I'm going to testify of God's goodness and God's mercy. And I'm going to glorify him. That's your purpose. That's your job. This says here that, that this lively stone is built up a spiritual house, but the part I want to I, I just kind of get into is where does that life come from? That life doesn't come from you. God's not interested in your best effort. He's interested, like I said, in the Spirit of God flowing through you. It is about the Spirit of God flowing through you that God's looking for. Um, let me show you that. In, in Let's go to John chapter 7 and see where the source of life comes from. John chapter 7. Now I remind you earlier, we talked about in John 4, whenever Jesus was at the well and he asked, you know, the woman at the well to give him water. He said, if you would have asked me, I would have given you living water. The caveat or the condition upon that statement was, if you asked me, I would give you living water. I find it pretty remarkable that a lot of times people won't even ask God for the Holy Spirit. Much less tarry before God for the Holy Ghost. But a lot of times people are so hard-headed and so stuck in a rut that they won't even ask God for a fresh infilling, for fresh power, for a fresh move of God. Lord, fill me up to overflowing. Lord, I need your presence in my life. Lord, I, I need your power at work in my life. Lord, purify me, cleanse me, empower me, God, that I may be that living stone, God, to glorify you, to offer up those spiritual sacrifices. Well, in here in John 7, we're going to key in on where that power comes from. And you have to ask yourself this as a child of God. Where, where does your source of strength come from? Because if your source of strength doesn't come from God, you're going to run out of strength. Your best efforts will fail one day. God will wait you out until you get to a point to where you need him. Amen. How many of you know God will let you kind of string yourself out to the point to where you say, okay, Lord, I need you. I've walked away from you. I've been running this thing. We call it a rut. You know what a rut is? The more you press the gas, the deeper the rut gets. You're not going to go nowhere till you get out and get some help. And a lot of times we need to see and understand that there are spiritual ruts that we can get into. You can know all the Christian lingo and you can know all the words, but that doesn't mean that you know God. You can have all the answers to a pop quiz, but that doesn't mean that you have the power of God at work in your life. If you quizzed Lucifer, he would pass it. I think he could teach Sunday school better than most people. Think about it. He knows all the answers. He knows how many colors are around the throne. He knows the, the beauty of the crystal sea, the streets of gold. He knows the splendor and the majesty of the king. But he wasn't dependent on God. And I remind you that, 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 like I said earlier, God will wait you out. 
God will wait you out. He, he will not share his glory with another. It says here in, in verse 37, John 7, verse 37, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. See, those, those, those rivers of living water, they're not produced through you. You don't, you don't um, generate those things. Those things are generated from God. And if you're going to be the man or the woman of God that has that living water flowing through you, you're going to have to come to God on his terms. Jesus said, tarry until you're endued with power from on high. You must tarry before God. Otherwise, you're going to end up thirsting. You're going to end up in a place to where you realize you don't have what it takes. And you know what? The world is getting harder day by day. The, 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 we see right now the birth pains beginning to set in on these last days. We see things beginning to move in motion where, you know, things are all kind of dovetailing into that, to the last days. And we see these hard times on the horizon. And I want to tell you that you don't have what it takes to live for God without the power of God. You don't have what it takes to let the, the, let your light shine for God without the Holy Ghost doing the shining. Amen. You've got to be that one that is submitted at his feet that the river can flow through. It's not generated from you. It's, it's generated through you by the power of God. Now, it says here that this is living water. You know, whenever Paul said in, in, in the book of Corinthians, he said he thanked God that he, he prayed in tongues more than all the people. He said, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. And the reason being is because it edifies, it edifies that inner man. It builds you up into the man or woman of God. Without that Holy Ghost river flowing through your life, you don't have that strength. You don't have that inner strength that God has available for you. And I want to point something out. The Holy Spirit is not for super duper Christianity. It is for Christianity. Think about that. It is the promise of the Father to every Christian. And if we, if we as Christians didn't need the power of God, then he would have never sent the Holy Ghost. He would have never called you the temple of God. He would have never indwelt one person if we didn't need the power of God. If only the apostles needed the power of God or only the disciples needed the power of God, he would have never filled all those people on the day of Pentecost. But because he filled that whole group, we see all throughout the book of Acts, people being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you might say, well, pastor, he's just talking here about living water. Well, look at the next verse, verse 39. I love whenever God puts something in parentheses, it's because the Holy Spirit really wants you to understand what he's talking about. Amen. It says, but this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should, should, should. How many of you know if God says you should do something, you should do something? God said you should. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And now you see part of the timeline of God is before the Holy Ghost could come down on Pentecost, Jesus had to go up and offer himself, amen, in heaven. He had to be glorified in heaven. You can read it in Psalm 24 when the king came back and the gates opened up and they began to worship the Lord of glory. Amen. He had, he had returned victorious to heaven. And then the Holy Ghost came down upon the church in empowering us to be victorious in this life. And then here we see 2,000 years later a church that don't need God anymore. Because we've got plans and we've got... You know, we, we've got our, our, our things going on. But I want to I just encourage you tonight because the, the Holy Spirit here is described as living water. I want to encourage you right now. The Holy Spirit here that you should, you should receive is described as living water. If you don't have that living water flowing through you, you're going to get thirsty in these last days. You need the Holy Spirit flowing through you for what's ahead. 
You need some of us need the Holy Spirit just so that we can be a, a, a godly, you know, a godly father. Some of us need the Holy Spirit so that we can be a godly mother. Some of us need the Holy Spirit so that we can deal with each other. Come on now. And not lose our witness. And not fail the grace of God. And, 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 and not begin to operate in the flesh. And not begin to walk away from the power of God. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit, God offers that Holy Spirit. But if you can live a successful, empowered, victorious, on the mark, Christian life without the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you've got a new one on God. You need to write a book and send it to God. And tell him how you can live victorious without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because God's plan is for living water to flow through you. That's his plan. And he said, you should receive this. It's not you can, or if you want to, or if you kind of want to be a super duper. He said, you should receive this. And you know, without the receiving of the Holy Spirit, there's no living water flowing through. You know what's flowing through me if the Holy Ghost isn't flowing through me? Come on now. Let's think about what our righteousness is outside of Christ. What is our righteousness outside of Christ, church? Filthy rags. What's flowing out of me if it's not the Holy Ghost? What kind of water is it? Sewer water. I'm going to give you man's wisdom. I'm going to give you my plan. I came up with a new plan. We, gotta do, we, gotta, we put in a carousel outside the church. That's man's plan. We got fog lights. That's man's plan. We selling books and DVDs. That's man's plan. Man can come up with schemes, but God has the Holy Ghost. And you got to choose which one you want. But if you believe, truly believe that you're going to make it through the last days, victorious, empowered, that you're going to be able to walk through life that God has for you. And you're going to be able to walk through these days without the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. You have a new one on God. This is not the way God designed it. God designed it so that living waters flow through you. And you know what? God loves you. God's love for you is sending the Holy Spirit to abide within you. Jesus said that he and the Father would come and make their abode in you. His desire is that you wouldn't walk through this life on your own. He wants to live in you, indwell in you, and empower you that the Holy Spirit residing in you would be that light and that living water that the world needs so desperately today. People today have no hope because all they're getting from the church is filthy rags and schemes of men, but they're not getting that living water that can quench the soul's desperate need. What our generation needs is living water. You know what? I, I can tell you that there are, you can, you can stack these things up. You can go to a 12-step program and learn ways to let go of the bottle. Or you can come get hands laid on you and believe God, and God can break that addiction off in a moment of time. And I want to tell you from experience when that addiction gets broken off of you, nobody has to tell me anything about the power of God. I've experienced the power of God. God's not retired. God's not done yet. God's not dead. The power of God still flows. I've experienced that liberating power of God. And I want to tell you, I tasted that living water. I know what that living water tastes like. Amen? And you know what? It I can write in a book. I can write in a book about the living water. I can try to tell someone about the living water. But you know what's even better? If they'll just get down on their knees and ask God for that living water and taste of God themselves. If they will just get down on their knees and cry out to God, they don't have to lean on my testimony. They don't have to lean on my words. And I can say, oh, I've been to the other side. I can tell you all about it. No, you can go to the other side. You can experience it yourself. God loves you and he wants to 
pour out his spirit upon you. He wants that living water to flow through you so that you no longer need the things that the world has. You'll no longer be an addict to pornography. You'll no longer be an addict to drugs. You'll no longer have issues with envy and lust and pride. You'll no longer have these things going on in your life when the living water begins to flow through you. But if that living water is not flowing through you, you've got issues. Come on, let's preach. If that living water is not there, you know stuff begins to rise up. You, you go to a creek that, 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 that the water is not moving through. It's just dead water. How many of y'all know what I mean by dead water? A pond is like that. It's just no fresh water going in and nothing going out. It's just a pool of water. Stuff's going to grow in there. Stuff's going to grow in there, but you get living water. That water washes everything out. It just washes everything out. And you see, when you've got that living water flowing through you, God will begin to deal with issues before they even birth. God will begin moving stuff out before it even takes root. As long as you've got that flow moving through your life and the Holy Ghost is flowing through there, he can deal with issues before they prop up. One of the things, I love John 15, it says that if you abide in him, right, and you bear fruit, he would prune you so that you would bear more fruit. Now I want to tell you something. That Holy Ghost, he'll prune you. He'll prune you while there's still twigs there. Come on now. Think about this. The Holy Ghost, he'll prune you while there's still twigs. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost flowing through your life, those things become branches. And they get real big. And then God has to take a big, huge chainsaw to cut those things off, and they hurt. But if you, if you nip it in the bud while it's a twig, you don't even feel it anymore. You're just still flowing in the Holy Spirit. And he'll begin to take, take those things out before they even take root. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's things in our life that, that God will deal with and you're not even aware of it. God will, God will point your attention on something. He'll say, you know what? I used, to, I used to love to come home and watch TV, but all of a sudden I just feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to turn the TV off and get in the Word. Well, you know what? He's probably protecting you from something that was just about to take root in your life. But because you're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and that river's flowing through you, He's protecting you. He's nipping that thing in the bud. He can see what you can't see. And so you need that power of God in your life, even in the smallest of issues like I'm bringing out tonight. Even in the smallest of issues. I'm not even talking about the big things. Just in the small things. But that living water, how many of you know we need living water? You need living water, but I want to tell you something. There's a generation growing up. If the Lord, if the Lord tarries, there's a generation growing up that don't know the truth if it hit them with a two-by-four between the eyes. There's a generation growing up that doesn't know which bathroom to use. There's a generation growing up that thinks that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and two plus two to them is five. There's a generation growing up that, 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 is, that is being um, manipulated by the enemy. But you know what? One drink from that river of life, one drink from that river of life, one touch from God, one move of the Holy Ghost in their life. I can, look, we can write books, we can sing songs, and we can tell them all we need to tell them, but that's not going to help any until the Holy Spirit begins to flow. Until the Holy, once the Holy Spirit begins to flow in their life, they, then everything begins to get restored, right? God will begin to set order in their life. God will begin to establish his throne in their life. God will bring them into a righteous mind, a righteous understanding, and God will begin to lead them on the right path. But you know what? If they don't have that river flowing in their life, if they don't have God in their life, you, you, have you ever tried to make a horse drink before? You know the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Amen? You, you, try, to get, you try to get an animal to do something it don't want to do. you got to exert force on that thing. And, you know, that's what I see in the world today is we all the time mad at people. Why y'all doing this and why y'all doing that? It's because they don't have the Holy Ghost. It's because they don't have the living water flowing through their life. You're not going to argue somebody into the kingdom of God. You're not going to be able to sit there and say, yes, but did you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're going to say, so what? But you let them taste God. 
You let them get a hold of God, and you let God begin to flow through their life, and they're going to begin to think right, act right, and live right. They're going to begin to operate in the Spirit of God, and that's what our generation needs. Our generation don't need us to argue about, you know, did, you know did, who did you vote for? Our generation needs us to go out and preach the Word. People need the Word of God preached to them now more than ever. We have an, op- we have an opportunity to bring the gospel to a, a, a generation that thinks they don't need it. Amen. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2. Let me show you something here. But, I, but just look there. The, the Holy Ghost is exactly what Jesus said is needed for a thirsty person. Amen. A thirsty person. Jeremiah chapter 2. Jesus was actually talking about this living water. And, and, and he's actually bringing out something that God brought out through Jeremiah. Jeremiah was living in a generation that was about to find out about God's holy judgment. Come on. Jeremiah was preaching to a generation and never saw a soul saved, so they say. We don't, it's just as recorded. His message was rejected of men. They hated Jeremiah with a passion. And when you preach the truth in an uncompromising way, people will hate you too. If an ungodly world loves you, there's a problem. Because they hated Jesus so much they killed him. Well, here's the deal. Jeremiah was preaching to a generation that was just about to find out just how holy and hot the judgment of God is. And how many of you believe God's about to roll that same judgment out in an even greater fashion? Every, every theologian and teacher will tell you and testify to you that what's coming upon the world is far worse than anything anyone's ever experienced. What is about to happen? Now, we, we can talk about prophecy and theology and eschatology but the reality is the last days are going to be worse than any day ever known to mankind and that's in front of us not behind us so jeremiah was testifying to a generation through the inspiration of god and there's a specific thing that they did to kind of get them into this area can you guess what it is based off of john 7 They rejected the living water. They rejected the living water. Jeremiah 2, verse 11. It says, Has a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Now that will preach right there. I I think that that fits very well with the Ichabod church that has grown in America where we sell revelation and we sell music and we, we, we make people pay ticket money to worship God with us and we copyright our songs and we copyright our study Bibles and we, we, we are merch, we're making merchandise of men through, through profiting off of, through money. But they're not profiting spiritually because what profits someone spiritually is to know God and have that living water flow through them. Again, You can't live off of my witness. You can't live off of my, my, I'm living off the the river flowing through me, but God wants to flow through you. You can't live off of my water. You've got to have that fountain flowing through you. Jesus said you should receive the Holy Ghost. You should have this river flowing through you. God loves you, and he wants this river to flow through you. There is nothing, there is nothing that you can't handle by going to God and clearing the air and repenting that will prevent that river flowing through you. He said that they changed their glory for that which does not profit. And that's what a lot of religiosity does. It, it, it keeps people busy, but it doesn't profit them spiritually. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. It says in verse 12, be astonished, O you heavens, 
at this, and be horribly afraid, be ye very desolate, said the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Now, God here is telling you, Jesus said that if you believe on him, those living waters will flow through you. And you have a testimony. It's testifying of the deity of Jesus and the deity of the Holy Ghost. If you believe on Jesus, this same living water that God's speaking of here would flow through you. But the nation of Israel forsook the living water. Why would you forsake the living water? I don't know. Look at the church today. Look at folks today leaning on their own understanding, leaning on their own strength, leaning on their own ability, and not profiting. And not profiting. Many of you know, you know, I thank God that it's not by might and it's not by strength, but it's by His Spirit. I thank God that the battle belongs to the Lord and not me, because I would have done messed this thing up a long time ago. I thank my God that the battle belongs to him. I thank my God that it's not the chariot nor the horse, but it's the name of my God that I'm going to remember. I'm not going to lean on my own self, my own ability, or my own strength. I'm going to lean on the name of my God. I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus. I'm going to rebuke demons in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to cast them out in Jesus' name. I'm going to stand on the name of Jesus. I know that's the rock. Not Peter. Jesus. Jesus is the rock. Go back and you read that. It says Jesus was the living stone. We're the lively stones. Jesus is the living stone. Go back and read that. Now it says, his people have committed two evils. First, they forsook the living water. That's when, that's your first mistake is is not, not going on with the Lord, not taking the Lord at his word, saying that you should receive the Holy Ghost. That's the first mistake. And the second one is what you do in its place. Because when you don't have the Holy Ghost flowing through your life, when you don't have the river of life flowing through you, you're going to make a God out of something. You're going to make a God out of something. And it says that they made cisterns that hold no water. And God specified, he said, broken cisterns. Because what he's talking about, those cisterns, God is the living water. You know what a cistern did? It's a pot. It would catch rainwater. And it would get stagnant. It would grow mold. Stuff would grow in it. But God's even clarifying. He said, when you're not trusting me and the river's not flowing through you, all you have is a pot of rainwater that has stuff growing in it. And you don't even have that because God's not going to let you have it. He said, it's a broken cistern that can't even hold water. God's going to poke holes in the bottom of every pot. Until someone comes into a place of truly seeking for God's help. How many of you know what it's like to have God poke a hole in the bottom of every pot you have? Until he gets our attention to realize we need him. I don't need a car. I don't need a, I don't need a, a new house I don't need new clothes. I don't need this. I don't need that. What do I need more than all those things? I need the living water that flows from the throne of God through me by the power of Jesus Christ. I need the Holy Spirit flowing through my life. That's what I need. And once that river begins to flow through me, everything begins to get set in order. Everything begins to get established right. How many of you know that, and and I'll testify to this, before I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, I had priorities, but they weren't right. My priority was me, myself, and I. I had priorities, but they weren't right. But once that river began to flow through me, priorities changed. Priorities changed. Now I don't care about those things. I don't care about those things. What do I care about? Being who God wants me to be. Doing what God wants me to do. Loving God. Living for God. Glorifying God. Worshiping God. Well, 
He said that these two things, these two evils they did. And I want to point out that once you begin to forsake the living water, you have nothing to offer God. If Once you begin to turn away from what God can do in you through the power of the Holy Spirit, once you turn away from that, you have nothing to offer God. See that? Broken cisterns. And, 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 and God here is, is speaking this word because his love for the nation of Israel. And he said, you rejected me. And you know what? God loves the people of the world today. And God has made this invitation open for each and every person, every tribe, every tongue, every nationality, every kindred of person. God has made this gospel go out. And, and Jesus said in Mark 16, go preach this gospel to every creature. God has opened it up because God loves the people he created. But God does not love broken cisterns. God does not love filthy rags. There's one thing that's ever pleased God that spoke from heaven. Y'all know what that was? The father spoke and he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The sacrifice of God incarnate on the cross is what pleased God in spirit enthroned in heaven. That and that alone. And you have to get in that. And you have to begin to operate through that flow. And that's what God wants. You see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life? God will glorify himself through you. Amen. He will. Let me show you something real quick in Romans chapter 12. We're talking about building up a spiritual house and offering spiritual sacrifices to God. A spiritual house and bringing up spiritual sacrifices to God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we'll read. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. There's that word again, living Living sacrifice is, is how many of you know that he's not talking about um, he, he's not talking about your good works. He's talking about what God does through you. He's talking about what God can do through you. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able uh, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to point out here that God's desire for you is to give yourself to him. That you would be a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. F.B. Meyer said on this passage, it's easier to give your life one time for God than to live for God day by day hour by hour, minute by minute. That takes a work in your life of staying and tarrying at that altar of God. You have to stay, as, a, as, as one preacher said, you've got to stay on your knees even when you're walking. You've got to stay in a condition in your heart to where your heart stays on its knees before God, to where you're praying and worshiping God every minute, every hour of every day. You've got to be presenting yourself a living sacrifice to God. A perpetual sacrifice to God. That requires you depending on the work of the Holy Spirit through your life. That, that requires you staying and tarrying at the altar of God. Now, it says that if you don't, if you don't have this work flowing through you, that's why verse 2 says, and be not conformed to the world, because without that living water flowing through you, how many of you know if you don't have the Holy Spirit flowing through you, you're going to conform to the world? You're going to be you're you're going to begin to imitate the world instead of imitate Christ. Last time I checked, you're supposed to be an imitator of Christ. Paul said, Follow me as I follow Christ. You're supposed to be an imitator of Christ Jesus, not an imitator of men, of methods. You're supposed to imitate him. But if you don't have that fountain flowing through your life, you're going to conform to the world. You know, before I got saved and filled with the Spirit, I went to church. You got to listen to this part. Before I got saved and filled with the Spirit, I went to church. And you know what I found in every church? Somehow, some way. Every church I went to, 
I found the backsliders. I found the fellas that would go play golf and get drunk. I found the people that would go to the bar. I found them out in every church. I did. You know why? Because when you don't have that living water flowing through you, you'll conform. And, and that conforming to the world standard will, will come in every church, every tribe, every place. If that fountain's not flowing through you, you will conform to the world. The only preservative to not conforming to the world is the Spirit of God in you. That's the only preservative. It's the only preservative. You're going, you're going to find, if you don't have that living water flowing through you, you're going to find fellow backsliders. You're going to find people to say, you don't have to be all that. That pastor, he's just a holy roller. He just, he's too gung-ho. We just need to knock him off a peg. We don't have to live like that. We can take a, a step back. We don't need it like this. We can take a step back from that. And, and if you don't watch out, if you don't have that living water flowing through you, you'll find the backsliders even in a church. I hope we don't have any here, but you would find them even in this church. You'd be like, ah, you know, we don't have to do that. Pastor, he's always preaching against, you know, uh, homosexuality or drunkenness or witchcraft. He's always preaching against this, that, or the We don't have to be like that. I've been there. I can tell you what it's like to not have. Now, you may be, you, you, you might be all that in a bag of chips. You might have been, you might have come out of your mama Holy Ghost filled. I don't know. But I didn't. I, I had to come to a time when I needed God. And I had to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember what it was like before those days. And I remember, and, and, and I don't even know how, but it's just the spirit of the world. I would just find these people out in churches that were backsliders. It wasn't like we had a secret handshake or nothing like that. It was just, you, you just found each other. The cream rises to the top and then the, the backsliders just dropped to the bottom. I don't know. But we found each other. And what I'm telling you is, if you don't watch out, if you don't have the Spirit of God flowing through you, you'll find the gossipers. You'll find the backbiters. You'll, you'll find the drinkers. You'll find, you'll find those things out if you don't have that river flowing through you. It says, don't be conformed. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, you have to have that transformation. The word transformation here, it means a, a, a change from the inside out. When you have that living water flowing from the inner man out of you, it begins to change you and transform you. It begins to change you from the inside out. The, the other thing is that, that conforming is the cookie cutter. The picture for conforming is cookie cutter. The world will put you into its box, but God will change you from the inside out. It's not about religion doing it. It's not about pastor saying, you shouldn't do that. You need to do this. It's about when God sets up and gets enthroned in your life, he begins to change you on the inside. He, you, you'll begin to love what is right and hate what is wrong. You'll begin to yearn for what is holy and hate what is unholy. You'll begin to long for the light and, and have contempt for those things that are darkness. You'll begin to love what God loves and hate what God hates as he's enthroned in your life nobody will have to pump you up prime you up teach you guide you you'll have the teacher the holy ghost living on the inside of you residing there guiding you through the night leading you into holy life leading you to please god to honor god and glorify god and god will put something within you that no man can do god will deposit the holy spirit in you and no man, no man can teach you what the Holy Ghost can teach you. No man can do those things. It has to be a change that happens through the renewing that God does in you. And it happens from the inside out. Man, teaching goes from the outside in. Only the Holy Ghost knows you from the inside out. Only the Holy Ghost knows you from the inside out. And I, look, 
Some of you here, you might not have been, you might, you might not have, you might not have had the Holy Spirit really and truly filling you up in many decades. Some of you, many days. Some of us, many weeks. But what we all need is to be filled with the Spirit of God. That last thing I'll tell you is over in Ephesians. Paul said, uh, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The verb tense there means ever being filled. Don't ever stop being filled. There's times in life that we go through hard situations and hard circumstances. That's the time we need to go and get more from God. We need to really tarry before God and get that infilling from God. Because if not, you'll begin to conform to the world. You'll begin to think like the world thinks. And you'll begin to think negative thoughts about people and tear them down and backbite them and gossip and speak innuendo and do things that you know God's not pleased with. But when that river's flowing through our life, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about that when that river's flowing through that life. He begins, like I said earlier, that living water, it washes all that junk out. All that junk out because that living water is just flowing through. How many of you want that flow? I want to tell you, I need that flow. I need that flow. We need that flow. The world needs that flow. They, the world, look, we can go to the world all day long and try to teach them 12 steps to this and 7 steps to that. But what they need is to taste God. See that he's good. They need to know God the way that we know God. They need God on the inside. And that's why we've got to go and preach the gospel that they can come to Christ. Amen? Amen. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you for the word of God going forward. Lord, I thank you for the people of God that are here tonight. Lord, we thank you that it's not by might nor by strength, but it's by your spirit, God, that these things shall be done. Lord, we thank you that the battle belongs to you tonight. I pray, God, and ask that each and every person here would be more dependent on you than ever before. Lord, I pray that you would use this message to do what you desire to do in the life of each person. Lord, you know our condition and you know our need. Lord, I ask that you would meet each person according to their need. Open us up, O oh Father, that we may receive that fountain of life. That ever-flowing fountain, Father, let it flow through us. Lord, we thank you for the privilege, God, of that living water flowing through us simply by belief. Lord, we bless you and we honor you tonight. And God, I pray that you would do a work in all those that come. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to open up our altars right now, give you an opportunity to respond to God. I believe in God's timing, and there's always a, a, a timing aspect to God, and if if God is dealing with you, or maybe you just, hey, Lord, I do need you. Come and, and let the Lord know that. Come to these altars and have a moment with the, with the Lord. Amen.